Not sure about this now. <laughs> Taking advice from me now. That could be a little bit on the hard side. For those that don't know me, I'm uh, Peter Palmer. I'm the, I was the first of the churches to leave the diocese a bit over 12 months ago. Like you, we've struggled, we've held our own, and we've grown. We haven't grown numerically as much as spiritually. I don't know about you, but my people, when they were in the old church, I couldn't get a Bible study going. Now I've got five. Same people. And they're saying, why didn't we do this ages ago? <laughs> Duh. So we've been going just over 12 months, and like you, we have struggled, and it's been a, it, but it's been a good struggle because it's been clean, Glenn. And I would do anything for Glenn. I've known him before this, and, um, yeah, he was always a, a man that you could respect and have faith in. It's a lot like Paul, really. Paul in Philippians that we read tonight. He's trying to get the Philippians to get going. The Philippians are under stress. They're being chased by the circumcision party. Now, you ladies don't have a lot to worry about. But they're being chased because the circumcision party, which are the Jewish party, say you can't be a Christian, you can't do anything unless you're circumcised. So Paul says, don't worry about it. But he goes on to a whole heap of other things. Paul talks about his willingness to abandon everything he knows to follow Christ. He wants God's new life. And he loves God because of the grace that was shown to him in his life. Now, what's going on? How come this one's not working? Where's that one's not working? Hey! Oh, beauty. I want to talk to you tonight about knowing Jesus. How well do you know Jesus? Jesus. In the first four verses that we read tonight, which were well read, thank you very much, my darling. Well done. Paul's warning the Philippians to keep clear of these mutilators of the flesh. He doesn't like them because they're taking people away from the gospel, away from Christ. It's a status thing. I don't know how you can get a status thing out of that, but it's a status thing. 
And then he goes on in verses 5 and 6 to detail the quality of his legalistic righteousness. How good am I? Look at me, he says. If I was going to, if someone was good, it was me. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I did it right. I was a Pharisee. I was legalistic. I was everything. And I found out it was all wrong. You ever been like that? Everything you believed turned upside down. But in verse 7, Paul states that he regards his religious purity as nothing but rubbish, not even fit for clean away, not even fit to take it away. Wow. How's yours? Are you still caught up with everything that's going on around you? Do you still like everything that's happening around you? You don't want to change. How well? In verse 8, Paul, the believer, regards everything of little comparison. There's nothing that can compare... There's a song about that, isn't it? Nothing compares. Yeah. Um, it compares nothing to Christ. What have you got that you can compare to Christ? What have you got? Paul throws out everything because all he wants is Christ and to know Christ. He sets aside his religious self-righteousness because he's found something greater in Christ. He has found Christ in himself. And then in 10 and 11, he says, I found in Christ is to know Christ, to know him personally. But how do you do that? The first thing is you do it through the power, to know the power of the resurrection. There's power in that. The second is participating in Christ's suffering. No? What's wrong with this? What's wrong? I don't know. I just don't understand it. You have been suffering with Christ. You left everything you knew 12 months ago. You had, to, you had to make one of the biggest decisions of your life, apart from knowing Christ the first time, to stand for Christ and to suffer for him, which we do lovingly, knowingly and willingly. We have become like Christ in his death. That's what Paul says. I love it. So here ends the lesson. Quite simple. 
No Christ, no life. It's great theory, isn't it? It's great theology. But how does that work in reality? If I asked you right now, do you know Christ? What would your answer really be? What sort of an answer would you give yourself? I don't want to know, and I don't want anyone else to know what you think either. How well do you know Christ? I keep using this word know. How well do you know Christ? Or do you just use Christ as one of those things you come along and go, oh gee, I need help, hang on. I'll plug into Christ. Turn him on. He gives me the zap. I turn him off, pull the plug and I go again. Like an EV car. No, everyone's got to plug into these things now. I don't, but some, I bet someone here's got an EV car, haven't you? You've got to plug it in every night and get the power. But people use Jesus like that. They use him when they need him. And when they don't need him, they unplug him and walk their own way. Hoop, things are happening again. Better go back, plug in again. That's what Paul's on about. There's only one thing you've got in life. The only one thing you can trust and rely on is Christ and to know Christ. When I worked on the mine sites many years ago, and even today, you know, I'll be going somewhere or someone will say, do you know that person? Do you know that person? And I'll say, yes, but not biblically. What does the word know mean? What is it to know somebody? The Bible often uses the word in relationship to marriage. A man knows his wife. Adam knew Eve. Cain knew his wife and she conceived Adam knew his wife again and she bore a son called him Seth. That's a very intimate no, isn't it? And I don't think I'd like to know you in that relationship. But it is. It depicts a full and utter relationship. For those of you who are married, you know your partner. And it's very different to everybody else around, the rest of the family, isn't it? It's very intimate. And that's what God wants us to have with his son. Relationship. So what is it to know Christ and the fullness of his resurrection? If we believe that Christ is in us and we are in him, then it shouldn't be amazing to see our relationship with Christ as an intimate one. Isn't 
Don't we say that God is love? Doesn't God say, I am the God of love? If we know him for his love, a love that's expressed in mercy and forgiveness. What more can we want? The intimacy of our union with Christ is something we have yet to experience in its fullness, though. We will not understand that fullness until the day we meet him face to face. This is all great theology, but how do we put this into practice? What can you do when you leave here tonight? How do we do it? How do we know Christ in his death? We know Christ when we participate with him in his death. We've all died in Christ. We say these things all the time. Our old life is hidden with him on the cross. Your sins are with him on the cross. Once we accept Jesus as our personal Lord, our sinfulness is no longer counted against us. He takes all that on the cross for you and me. And he hides it. And he gets rid of it. It's like a mother hen. When she has little chicken and the chickens, something happens, the little chickens run straight back to her and she covers them so they can't be seen. One, they can't be seen, so the predators can't get them. And two, they are safe. We find our safety in Christ and in Christ alone. And he covers our sin and takes it away for us. The second thing is to know Christ in his resurrectional power. We know Christ has that power because there's an empty hole. If there was no empty hole, what are you doing here? If there's no empty tomb, you could have stayed home and watched Bathurst which Peter got me in a very slow moment because this is my religious day. I always make it the shortest sermon of the week, of the year, so that I can get home to watch the car racing. So he owes me big time. But if there's no emptiness, if there's no tomb, we all seek power, don't we? Do you ever seek power? Climb the corporate ladder? 
Do you seek power when you are in your Christian groups? Lord, give me the power to heal this person. Lord God, tell me what to say so that I can witness to these people. Lord God, work a miracle in my life so that I can work miracles in others. Have you ever said those prayers? Mm, I have. See, instead of trying to find the power by ourselves, God gives us the power through the Holy Spirit. That's what we plug into. And if we remain plugged into that power, God is with us all the time. And he uses that power for the power of good. If we've risen with Christ, as in no holes barred, we can accept our risen Lord. Him. You don't have to do anything special. Just know him. Because if you're in Christ, if you know Christ, then you have the power of Christ. When we begin to live a Christ-like life, we begin to use that power correctly. But there's a third way. We need to know Christ as our shepherd or your shepherd. When I lived in Cooper Pedy, I went and seen a friend of mine who had a big sheep station. And we're going around in his ute and we're bobbing around all over the place in these rough paddocks. And we see this ewe over there and she's lying there and this little lamb just been born maybe a day before. And the little lamb's just meh, meh. And we go over and the ewe's dead. But the little lamb is quite alive and hungry. So this really sleek, well-groomed body is running around this paddock trying to catch this lamb. The lamb had me. He nearly made it to the roast lamb, I tell you. And I held him there as we went round the rest of the pro property. He just sat there. He didn't do a thing. He just sat there in my coat. And we got back that night and we're sitting in the kitchen and we're feeding him a bottle of milk and we're feeding ourselves a little scotch. And he's, he's just sitting there taking this milk in. And the next day, we fed him again and we left him in a box and we went out and worked. And that night, we came back and we fed him again. And then I left. And it wasn't probably for, oh, two years before I got back to that property. I seen the bloke a lot because he was working on the mine site. So, but he was doing something. I said, oh, I'll come back and give you a hand. I'll come out for the weekend, enjoy it. I went out there. And we go out to have a look at the lambs. But now this little lamb that he called Rev is now a ram. And he's out in the paddock with probably 500 ewes. And he says, Peter, you know that ram? See the ram over there? He said, that's Rev. That's your Rev. I said, oh, is he? He said, yeah, he's, 
He said he missed out on getting circumcised. Putting it nicely for you ladies. And uh, he said, I'm so glad he did because he's, he's throwing the best micron wool I've ever had off this property. The finest micron wool. Anyway, so we got out of the car and Rev saw me and ran to me. He ran to me, left all the ewes behind. He chucked the big ewe and took off, straight for me. I thought, oh no, he's gonna go and headbutt me. But he didn't, he just came up and he just stood there. It was one of the most amazing feelings that this sheep would just come up because of something I did two years previous that I saved him from death. We're all in that picture. Do you recognise yourself? You see there's one black sheep in there? Do you know black sheep eat less grass than white sheep? Did you know that? You know why? There's less of them. Of course. Simple when you think about it. What's right out the front of all these sheep? The shepherd. Who's our shepherd? Apart from Peter on a Sunday. Who's our real shepherd? Jesus is our shepherd. And Paul says, all I want to know is Jesus and to follow him. Sheep follow the shepherd. You don't see the shepherd behind the sheep. The shepherd's always out in front of the sheep. And wherever the shepherd goes, you know, Mary had a little lamb, its fleece was, you know, where'd it go? It followed her to school one day. Why? Because it did the same as Rev. It adopted her. We are adopted into Christ. And we follow Christ. But there's one thing the shepherd cannot do in the real world. What's that? What can't the shepherd do? He can't make other sheep. Only sheep make sheep. The shepherd can look after them, can care for them, mend them, first aid them, lead them to water, lead them to good grass. But we cannot make them. You are the sheep of this flock. You are the ones that make sheep. You are the ones that have to go out and bring people in. So when we bring them in, Jesus will look after them. The Spirit will guide them. That's what it's about. You've got to stay focused on the role that we have. The three things that we have to do.
The first is to know Christ in his death. To understand that we will go through hard times like Jesus did. But when we go through the hard times, Jesus will take everything away from us so that we are freed. The second is to know Christ in his power. The power of that resurrection. You have that power. You can do. And the third one is that we have to follow our shepherd. No point in going off. Going off by ourselves. If you don't turn up to church for two or three weeks, what happens? Well, I hope this is what happens, that Peter gives you a ring. Or someone rings you and says, where are you? Are you okay? Are you lost? Because that's what Jesus said. The farmer had 99 and one took off. So what did he do? He left the 99 and went and found the one. Rejoice, I have found. Every time someone comes into this church, you should be like us. We rejoice. We rejoice when someone new comes in. And we rejoice when they die because we know where they're going. Sheep will follow the shepherd. So, and if you are in Christ and you know Christ, biblically, if you are so intimate with Jesus, so intimate, he leads you. So my question for you tonight, as I wind up, is how well do you know Christ? How well do you know him? Are you intimate with him? Because he wants to be intimate with you. And like Paul says, let us long to know Christ, be in Christ, which gives us access to the power of his resurrection and share the benefits of his suffering. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you have called us to know your son, Jesus. Help us to be one in Christ. Intimately know him because the closer we are, the stronger we are. For those here tonight and those that aren't here who are having problems, help them to plug back. Help them to reunite and reignite their faith in you through your son who died, who was lifted on the cross, who was taken down, buried, but nothing could hold him because he rose from the dead to give us life and to show us the way to eternity. Help us to keep our eyes on him 
and him alone. Amen.